Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 338 here on the Motorcycle Men Podcast. Joining me today here in the V-Twin Cafe over here in the corner booth is Axe DeCrife. He is an author, filmmaker, and most of all, coast-to-coast record holder. And he is here to tell us all about it, how he did it, and other fun stuff. Stay tuned for that. But right now, the Motorcycle Men Podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. They're offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. So learn more. Get on over to ScorpionUSA.com and Wild Ass Seats. Now, you can improve your comfort and ability to stay in the saddle longer with a cushion from Wild Ass Seats. So if you're tired of those painful pressure points and fatigue, get on over to Wild-Ass.com. And get your cushion today. That's wild-ass.com. Make sure you tell the real Craig Johnson that the Motorcycle Man podcast sent you. Hey, I used my wild-ass seat when I did my rides down to the Keys. And let me tell you something. No fatigue. Wasn't tired. My ass didn't hurt. Felt great. So, get your cushion today. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, for the best in casual riding gear for men and women, there's only one place you should be going, and that is Tobacco Motorwear. Visit them at TobaccoMotorWear.com, and our listeners will get 10% off your order when you use the code MOTOMEN. Your safety is worth it. Get on over there. Get in Dave's pants. Let Dave know that we sent you. I use um, Tobacco Motorwear riding jeans. They're a California riding shirt. Everybody here on the podcast is wearing Tobacco Motorwear jeans and the California riding shirt and a bunch of other stuff, too. So get on over there. Your safety is worth it. Remember that. All right, now. Time for that interview with Axe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Here we are today. We're talking to Axe. Who, now, wait, do, do, I, do you have a last name that I, I should use, too? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's DeCrife if you want to use DeCrife, it. Axe DeCrife. Okay, and you are not, uh, you're just an author also, but you've also, you also broke a world record at I one did. time. Uh, so yep. before we get into it anymore once you tell us who you are and and what you do and your motorcycle self yeah sure so i started uh much as i hate to admit it i started life on a moped at 15 years old and uh within a few months i hit my first car and flew over the hood of it uh i was actually i'm not laughing because that's well it's funny okay we admit it okay <laughs> it is now i can look back and laugh but uh, i was racing my buddy who had a governor at 25 and mine would do 28 or 9 and so i was looking back at him as i was smoking him on the street and a car ran a yield sign and boom hit it flew over the side <laughs> got a nice rearrangement of the front tire up against the frame and a good uh, chat by dad who was not impressed because yeah. didn't have a license and it happened to block from the deputy sheriff nice so nice. we were like trying to scramble like let's get out of the road let's like try to keep this low key <laughs> So that was my first, um, but you know what, honestly, it's probably why I'm still alive on bikes because it taught me so much in that second of don't trust anybody. You just have to pretend everybody's right. trying to kill you. And also how to um, land. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Superman>. <laughs> so that was the first step. Um, but I've been on bikes. My old man had a couple Harleys. He had an old K model, which was kind of really? the precursor wow. to the Sportster. Yeah. Yep. And he had that. And, um, <laughs> he sold that to a guy that died on it, and it had a notorious 
habit of locking up the back brake. Wow. And when the guy died on it, like a week or two after buying it, and dad could, he said there's a giant skid mark right there at the accident. And so he said he figured what probably happened is the guy, you know, dad eventually got used to a rear wheel skid, which, you know, anybody that's ever had a shovel head with those old banana calipers that egg out on you, you get used to it, right? I mean, you just learn to control the skids and cuss at your brakes and pull over and pry them apart. And uh, this guy did not get used to it. So unfortunately, he didn't last. The next bike dad had was an old uh, 70, no, where was that? He had an old Sportster, a 60-something maybe Sportster, wow. I think. Damn. And it was fast on his first day. Him and his buddy were leaving the bar, and they were racing one of those Honda CBRs that were supposed to be so fast. So he was racing them with his buddy on the back, and they were blowing that guy off the road while the cop pulled him over day one of owning this bike. <laughs> Pulls him over, gave him an improper lane change is what he called it for drag racing. <laughs> So um, he raised a lot of hell on that bike, so it's always been in the blood. And then he sold that to a guy in Florida, Lauderdale, before we moved back north. And the guy had a glass eye already on the trip back north to Iowa driving the bike. He turned his head, and the glass eye went flying out. So that was fail one. And this guy just had the anti-Midas touch, I guess. So he's continuing to go. And then the bike breaks down because that's what old Harleys did. Yeah. So he pushes up behind one of those old billboards, you know, in the bushes like you see in the old movies. Right. Pushes it back there. He hitches for a ride. Well, some guys pick him up, and then they roll him and take all his money and beat him up, leave him on the side of the road. So then he finally gets a ride to go back to get the bike, and it had been stolen. from So, Dad, said the moral of the story is don't ever buy a bike from me because they're cursed. Oh, my God. So I did get, you know, he didn't have one for years, and then I bought a a shadow somewhat embarrassing now looking back i guess but it was you know i didn't know any better about a honda shadow it was what yeah. i could afford with my graduation money and looked like a harley and within a few months dad went out and bought a um in fact he came out of the garage and he saw it and he wasn't mad that i completely disobeyed him and mom's lecture about not being allowed to buy a bike yeah he throws his wrench and he said you bought a fucking honda <laughs> like that's, that's that's what made him mad so uh okay so I had that for like uh a few months and then he bought a sportster again a 77 that he still has and uh just riding that thing once it clicked kind of like oh uh, now i get it right so um we sold the shadow and bought a uh, 77 flh basket case the guy that had that came out of a bar drunk made it three blocks hit a parked car <laughs> broke his leg his buddy named a tank accidentally stepped on his newly broken leg trying to get the jacket off to uh you know save it from getting dirty and uh that bike sat for four years before we got a hold of it so that's what dad and i restored that and yeah and it was like a girlfriend you buy diamond for that fucks the neighbor i had that thing like <laughs> nine ten years and i i never cheaped out like i would starve before i'd let it get shitty parts yeah and no matter what i think i sold it at 20 four or five thousand miles and it was on its fourth fifth engine already oh my at that God. time it just uh i know <laughs> it was just brutal so if you made it somewhere without like the first the first ride on it i'd had hernia surgery at like 21 or so oh right so i had hernia surgery i'm not even supposed to be in a car yet and we got the bike started and so dad took it for its run around the block 
And I'm like, God. And he goes, you know you can't drive it. You just had surgery. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Well, a couple days later, my buddies called. They're like, dude, Metallica's in Des Moines. Come on fucking down. And I'm like, fuck yeah. So I hopped on the Harley. <laughs> <laughs> drove down. Of course, the carbs ain't set right. It was an SU carburetor, which, you know, they took a little bit of finicking. But once you got it, they're good. Didn't have the mixture set right. I didn't know what the hell I was doing with it. So I get down to Ames halfway or whatever, and <laughs> the damn thing wouldn't start. So I had to push the 700-pound pig several blocks to a service station to get a charger on it and finally get to where I was going. And on the ride back at 2 a.m. after too many beers and too much noise, rained, raccoon ran out in front of me, the big old <laughs> blinker bar on the back, you know, those massive <laughs> blinker bars. Yeah. One of the little, little stupid-ass tin nuts or whatever came off. So it vibrated down. It scratched the brand new cherry paint job we had, and uh, rattled off into a ditch. So that was, was quite an experience. But but you know I loved it, right? Like you get those things. Oh well, yeah, through, you know of course you know together. Hey, you're putting yes. your blood, sweat, and tears in there into something that you want to make your own, and you eventually you do make it your own, one you way do. or another. You know oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I had that for nine, ten years, something like that, I think, and then the last round of rebuilding it. Um, is when I decided to build my own first chopper from a ground up. And they were what we call the kit bikes, you know, where yeah, you buy yeah. the kits out of like Gyra or Midwest, whatever it was, and you'd build it. And so I built the first bike, and then we moved to Florida, me and the ex-wife at the time, and I opened a shop, a chopper shop there. So I did that for a couple of years, right. um, building choppers. And then towards the end of that stretch, I decided, well, I'll try a sport bike just to, just to you know, have more variety, I guess, for what I could do for people. Right. and. So I bought an Aprilia RSV Malay 1000cc. <laughs> you couldn't go for a slower bike, right? <laughs> exactly. You go from these choppers that, you know, can't get out of their own way sometimes to uh, something like that, that you'd pop the front end up shifting into fourth. And it, I had no business being on a bike that fast. That was just dumb. But it was a blast. And I thought, well, it's got a V-twin. It kind of, kind of, kind of like a chopper. Except, <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's kind of like a chopper. Yeah, it's distance. <laughs> but it was, you know, I had fun with it. And I, so all these years, I've always had at least one Harley or chopper and then at least one sport bike. Yeah. You know, as we all know, half the time, at least one or two's broke down. So you got to <laughs> be getting upgrades or something. So you got to have them. But uh, so it's, you know, motorcycles have always been part of my life, I guess, for since, yeah. you know, 18 on and. And, uh, you know, when the rest of the world's caving around you, it's always something you can hop on to go out and catch, you know, get a fresh breath of air and makes everything Absolutely, good again. Absolutely, man. It clears your head and all that. Absolutely. What are you riding now? So now I have a, so I've got the BMW S1000R that I did the cross-country record on. And that is currently set up for non-street legal. I've It's got full race body on it carbons um no lights or plate or anything so i'm kind of playing with that right now i guess um i have an aprilia malay or sorry rsv4 uh 1100 and the reason i have that is because i had a thousand cc one rsv4 and i center punched a deer doing some you know got a seven point buck with that <laughs> somehow walked away from that one don't ask me how because i was tucked and pinned and it it basically glanced, it hit the, it was in like mid spring going across in front of me. Yeah. And it crushed the headlight housing. I was tucked. So it, it glanced enough off the helmet that it jarred my teeth hard. 
Um, but I, I think if I would have been sitting up two inches, it would have snapped my neck. Wow. But it went over me, and then I thought, hell, I'm still upright. Well, then, of course, shit at the fan, and I went ass for end. And so as I'm ragdolling down the highway, I look at my bike sliding in the grass, you know, 20, 30 feet away from me. And somehow I got it started, and I limped at home. I had one blinker was the only light left, so I had that blinking to keep from getting run over from a truck behind me because it was still pitch black out. And uh, just limped home at like 20 mile an hour. And I was having drinks with some Russian chick in Austin that afternoon. I hurt like hell. But, you know, I'm like, so I celebrated by buying the bigger, faster 1100 RSV. <laughs> of course. That's what you do, right? That's what you, you do, do right? exactly. Still, t- still statistically immortal. So, um, and then I still have the green chopper that I built. That was the last of the choppers that I'd done. That was right. for me. And so uh, that one. And I, I haven't been able to ride it for a while. The last time I was able to get it out, it um, it was kind of sputtering. I think the gas has been, this ethanol is just uh, awful, awful. If isn't you don't there drive a, everything. Don't you have a non-ethanol fuel down there in Texas? It's it's hard to find them. There are a couple stations I've seen that have yeah. them, but the ones close to me don't. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I just... With surgery and everything, things sit longer than they should. Yeah, yeah. And I tried to take it for a ride a while back, and it just sputtered and died, and it'd start again and then die. And I'm like, you know, I've I've seen them before where bikes sat. Like a buddy had a Harley in Florida, and I took it apart, and just that brown gunk yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Which white vinegar is actually one of the easiest things to get rid of that shit. Wow. You, you put that – well, you use it to clean it. You don't put it in your tank, though, right? Soak it. I actually, a buddy of mine, his uh, RC51 he just sold a while back, um, it was not well at first because it sat for like three years in his garage. Wow. And he took white vinegar. He had it in the tank. He cleaned all the – he ended up having to buy a couple parts for like like maybe injectors he mm-hmm. had to buy or something. Yeah. There was something where you couldn't really get in to clean it. But right. like uh, generally the system, the tank and all that – White vinegar soaked it in it, and eventually. Oh, so like when you say you put it in a tank, you put it in a tank when it was oh, empty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. On it. You're, yeah not, you're not you're not going to mix it with your fuel no, like an no, additive. No, no. no. no sorry. <laughs> no, it's uh, I should have been clear about that. You know what I've been doing? I've been putting Marvel Miracle Oil in the tank. Mm-hmm. Oil. Yeah, well, it's, it's called Marvel Miracle Oil. It's a. Um, it's kind of like an additive. It's it's not an actual okay. oil. It's like an additive, but they call it Marvel Miracle Oil. Um, I put what, a, I put a, I put a, what's that? What, is it kerosene, like an octane booster? No, it's like not that? an octane booster. It's a, it's like a, more like an, it's an oil treatment, but you can put a little touch of it in the gasoline. And oh, okay. I'll tell you what, I, I, I had to rebuild my heritage at one point and, yeah. and I used that all I had used that prior to that. And the only reason why I had to rebuild the heritage is because the, um, the cam chain tensioners went. So oh, this was one of the early twin cams. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a twin cam eighty eight. Yeah. So uh, yeah. when I when I took the uh, the heads off, man, it was it was so clean inside there, you know. And really? I, I I attributed that to the the miracle oil that I was using, but it's really? amazingly clean. Yeah. But uh, anyway, huh. so let's let's talk about this record. Tell us about this record that you set. Sure. Okay. So this would have been, you know, after getting the BMW, I bought. That's the only first new bike i bought you know was in 2010 um bought that i had the harley sportster at the time a little hugger that was uh put up to 1200 and a bunch of work on it uh love that little bike what a blast right but i had this bmw and i'd been 
reading and i'm not i actually spend more time writing books than reading them i'm not good i'd have no attention span so reading them is stuff for <laughs> I me understand. but <laughs> but uh i someone had given me a copy of the book about alex roy uh who he broke the cannonball record in god what was it i'm trying to remember when he actually broke that record it was sometime in the 2000s you know like uh, I guess late 2000, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, whatever, somewhere in there, let's call it. Right. Um, so he broke the car record and he did it with, you know, BMW M5. And of course he had Fleer and all this stuff and gadgets and the airplane spotting and everything like that. And it kind of like, I couldn't even enjoy the book because the minute I started reading about it, I'm like, I want to do something like this. Yeah, yeah. And so at the time I would take the BMW or the Harley out to the hill country and you just hammer it, you know, and you're laying it over and, you know, I've got a picture of the, uh, it had shotgun pipes on the Harley and like there was a flat spot about like this wide where I kept leaning over so hard. <laughs> it was like flattening out yeah. the, um, that lower pipe until I yeah. cut it off. And, uh, you know, with the BMW, you, you get these little bursts, right? Like one day it's like, okay, I got 130. Okay. Now this time I got 140, you know, and, and it becomes like a drug, right? It's an addiction. Yeah. You just want to go yeah. faster and faster. And so you get these little bursts and I thought, okay, Doing something like a cross-country ride, that's like, you know, heroin needle in your arm with blood in your palm. <laughs> Just like cash me in, right? Nikki Six mode. And so I started thinking about it. And then there's a movie about the Alex Roy ride. And I watched that. And so I was stuck in jury duty one day. And I was like writing notes in a book about like, okay, well, how am I going to do this? What am I going to take? And my options at the time, I had uh, Cadillac CTSV Coupe, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is... And it's got the manual transmission, all black, triple black, everything. And I'm like, well, it'd be a fun and comfortable, but, you know, you're going to be stopping every, especially if you're doing 167, you're going to be pulling over for gas every five miles. So <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> when the chopper, as much as I love it, it's not the most comfortable. No. <laughs> device Looks cool, but uh, ain't the most comfortable. And so I thought, well, you know, the BMW, I guess, is the, the one to do it on and it gets good mileage it's like 45 miles a gallon right and so uh that's what i did is i took that and i started going through the preparation you know like you, you start researching so i i driven it to colorado which like i woke up at 1 31 morning and drove it to colorado which was <laughs> you just wake up and i'll go to colorado yeah i was kind of thinking about it already you know <laughs> and i woke up and i was like yeah i'm ready to go so uh you know, basically, I, I sh I'd shipped clothes in advance to my sister, but I had, like, two bottles, like, camping bottles of fuel in my backpack, right. a Glock, and my phone and wallet. So <laughs> I thought this ain't going to look good if I get pulled over, but whatever. Right. And uh, driving it back, I missed a carcass on the road by, you know, like, less than a foot. And it just made me realize that if you're doing anything in the three-digit range, your headlights are worthless. You're, you're, you're using the force, right? Yeah. It's just not going to do anything for you so i started researching like night vision and the problem with night vision this is earlier systems i think modern ones have different gates or something they call it where they um where it can filter it out but like back in those days a night vision system if you had an oncoming car oh, blind your ass. oh yeah blind yeah big time yep so thermal was the way to go so i i installed a FLIR in the cadillac first to try that and, uh, you know, that first time you turn the, the headlight switch off and just go full dark mode at like 100 plus, it's like, all right, I'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, wow. it was educational. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Then you start. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Nicest way I can say it. But, you know, if 
once you start seeing how many animals pop up that you may not have seen otherwise and you start to build confidence in the equipment, you realize, okay, this is better than looking out that windshield. It's better to look at the screen. And it's just, it's a video game with no reset button is what it is, right? You get one life and no reset. Wow. Yeah, no additional lives with this one, right? Exactly. Wow. There's no, no code like Contra or something where you can punch it in. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, took that and adapted it to the bike. And I couldn't even – I didn't even have a good way to put it, like, up in front, like, in your vision. So it was basically flat on the tank. So the only way to use it effectively was literally, like, be laying on Head the tank, down. steering down and not forward and just use the force and go from there, you know. So uh, – that's that's what, right there. You know, it was fine line between balls and stupidity, and it's <laughs> a very fine line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, but that you know that was one of the main things is getting that on there. Um, obviously, radar detection. Uh, I put an extra fuel tank on the uh, tail of it, right, for another five gallons, and I had it geared so I'd do one hundred and eight in first gear. <laughs> Jesus. And, yeah, and I I couldn't go any more than that because. You start lugging, right? Like you got, and it's a, it's an I four. It's high power, but it's, it's still an I four. So they don't have low end torque like a Harley, right? right. Um, like your my old shovel head. If I broke a clutch cable or something, you could drive it in fourth gear and just power shift through. Yeah. You know, you could start off in first and just hammer through in that, but, um, but not this thing. So I, that's what I could do, and then that way I thought I got maximum mileage, uh, because it's not churning a lot of RPMs. And uh, so there's that. And then little things like I took some shin guards. And I used to dirt bikers. They've got that little knee and shin guard thing. Sure. And I chopped those off and then bolted those to the passenger peg so I could kind of hang my ankles back there. Because otherwise, you're stuck like a monkey fucking a football for a day and a half straight in one position. I had to give myself at least a second position to right, sit exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just for something. And then I had uh, all the camel back full of... I cut a Gatorade cut with Red Bull or vice versa, Red Bull cut with Gatorade. Cause I'm like, I need the caffeine and oh I know God. this shit works. And, but I know it's a diuretic and it fucks your stomach up and everything in your system. So I cut it with Gatorade to try to keep some electrolyte balance and hydration levels. Um, I had what else? Oh, and then, um, uh, I so I, I Put on a condom catheter and an adult diaper. I was like, <laughs> I hope. I, I mean, I'm staring at this box. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you questions like that later, but look. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I sat there staring at that box of adult diapers, and I'm kind of like, man, am I really going to shit myself to to do this? You know, like you really got to start asking what's it worth to you, right? You know, it's funny because I was uh, I was talking to my brother a little earlier, yeah. and. Uh, I say so. Like, oh, you know, we got a. I got an interview at seven tonight, and I'm, you know, I'll tell him who I was talking to, and he goes, you know, so he did. He goes, and he says, "How did he go to the bathroom?" I said, did, "I said, I don't know." He said, "Did he shit himself?" I'm like, I have no idea. We're gonna find out. <laughs> I uh, I felt my stomach starting to grumble about East Texas, and I was like, "No, like, I, I, like, please don't." Just and so I didn't. I ate uh, MREs for about two days before the ride. You did just to clog my system up. Yeah, just to clog my system up. Peanuts would have done the same thing, man. I don't know. I had a buddy that was an army ranger, and he's like, "Dude, trust me, go for the MREs." <laughs> and I'm like, "Done." So I ordered a whole box of MREs, and I'm sure like the the maid at the hotel in San Diego before I left, like what she cleaned up 
that I'd left behind was a bunch of MREs, adult diapers, and condom catheters laying around. She's probably like, what the hell went on? Yeah. Here. I don't want to know. I just want to burn the sheets because I don't want to know what happened here. Oh, my God. That's not a way. So now let me, let me get something. That, now, I, I've, I've known about the, the cannonball. Now, yeah. is that what this was part of? No, the cannon. So the old Cannonball records, like we've all seen the movie, right? The old yeah, Reynolds yeah. and Lambo and stuff. Sure. The original Cannonballs, like the Brock Yates and that, started as this group that wanted to race from New York to L.A. Right? That yeah. was their path they took, and that's that's been what when you know we call it the Cannonball. That's what we mean is the Cannonball right. is the New York to L.A. And so that's what Alex Roy had broke that one. Um, but there's other routes. Like for me personally, I was just trying to be the fastest to go coast to coast across the country. And so the fastest ocean to ocean drive, continental U.S., is San Diego to Jack's Beach. Okay. And so that's what I was trying to do. Um, now there's other people. There was uh, Gary Orr had done that route before me, and he had the. I actually didn't know this until I got to San Diego to the BMW dealer and I told the service guy, I said, man, I really appreciate you guys receiving my bike for me and giving me a bay to do all my mods and get ready for the trip and that. And he said, well, here's why. And he showed me that his boss, Gary, had done this ride on, uh, except he did it with a trailer of 75 gallons of fuel behind him. What? And so he never put a foot down from San Diego Beach, right? Never put a foot down. He got to 150 miles west of Jack's Beach, and he went by a cop that had somebody pulled over, and he was just thinking, like, please don't pull me over. And the cop got jumped in his car and cherried the guy, pulled him over. And the thing he pulled him over for is because this trailer that they'd sort of built in their, sh you know, shop and stuff, fucking blinker, the taillight was flickering. Because oh. it was coming loose. So he was so mad, he didn't even finish driving to Jacksonville. He either went south to Lauderdale or north to North Carolina or something like that. Uh, just so mad that he got within 150 miles of not even putting a foot down and then psh, boom. Wow. So ah. so he was the one, and I didn't know about it. And then I, But I actually got to meet Gary while I was out there, which is cool, right? You, like, you get to shake the hand of some other guy that's crazy enough to do this kind of stuff. And that, right. so that was pretty cool. Um, but... Uh, Yes, the southern route is what they call this one. And then there's other people that do um, from, like, uh, the northwest corner of the country all the way down to Key West. So from Washington State down to Key West. Yeah, that's a haul, man. That's a longer haul. Yeah, I can't remember how much more. That's like a – mine was 2,400 miles roughly. And I think the, the long way is – was it 3,500 or something like that? I don't, I don't know where in Washington it would be. It, it, it's like that farthest point up there is that, uh, uh, what is it? That it's not like right in Seattle or something. It's yeah, like it's up whatever near, that what little. What do you call it? Near Bay? Knee, that's, knee Bay? Sounds familiar. Near Bay. Yeah, it's 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 like the furthest point, Rosette, of the Near Bay. Well, if it's near, but just I say near Bay, just for the hell of it. Directions yeah. to here. Um, Dude, Google's, yeah, Google's like giving me a number. Hang on, like, we're waiting for a Google number, and it's coming <laughs> up. And uh, thirty-six hundred and seventy miles. Yeah, thirty-six seventy. Yeah, that's so it's like one and a half times what I did. <laughs> wow, man, that's a 
56 hours, it says, at regular speed. <laughs> it's only a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want. Yeah, I suppose you can look at it that way. Wow. Holy crap, dude. But So you actually planned to do this. Oh, yeah. This was, I probably spent nine months plan- from, from time of coming up with the idea. I think it was nine months before I did it. And it was, like, I did a you know, a lot of work. And when you've got a full-time job trying to pay the bills and afford your nonsense like this and trying to do, that's like having a second job, right? Um, So you end up busier than a three-peckered billy goat trying to get all this stuff done. But, you know, what I did is even filed like a um, a patent for uh, the human performance work that I did. I kind of developed like a risk mitigation. And what you end up, like the basis of that is you kind of look at it as, the weakest system in anything is the human, right? Right. And, you know, we're the, so you look at every kind of, like, weakness of a human of, well, bathroom breaks. Well, how do I mitigate that? Condom catheter, right? Um, how do I mitigate food? Don't eat. I had one Slim Jim in East Texas the whole, the whole way. That's it. <laughs> and that's such a balanced meal. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> But, you know, the thing is, like, you don't want to use the adult diaper, so it's pretty motivating. But I hit yeah. the point where I'm like, I am fading, and I know it's because, in fact, in at eastern Texas, where I stopped to get the Slim Jim, I thought surely my three liters of Ga- Red Bull and Gatorade would be dry by that point, right? Yeah. I'd had one liter from San Diego Beach to East Texas. Wow. That's it? That's it. And that was about... Well, it was over 24 hours, I think, by that point. Oh, nah, man. maybe not quite, but it's it's a long ways. Wow, that's like, yeah, that's dehydration pretty much. Yeah, there, I didn't yeah. even piss the first time till 700 miles is when I pissed the first time. <laughs> Did you even realize what a daunting test this was going to be? Yeah, kind of, but I just... <laughs> it, <laughs> screw it, let me just go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like whatever, I don't know, I mean need a challenge right I yeah cool. part yeah. of it is because i'd already been through open heart surgery by this age you know i mean i had that at 34 the first one wow damn and when you get when you get filleted and you know you have to start coming to terms with how short life is it's kind of like if you go to the poker t- let's say you go to the blackjack table and you want to put all your money on whatever you know on the on that hand well if you only have five bucks it's not as big a deal as if you have 3,000 sitting there. So I figure with my life being limited, I'm playing with less chips on the table, so I'm a, I'm able to take a little bit more risk, I guess, than the average person. <laughs> so, so that's your thinking, right? <laughs> Which is logic, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so reduce yeah. capacity. Let me do something that requires a lot of capacity. All right, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but how yep. did you prepare yourself for that? Like, did you do any training, physical training, any mental oh. training? Any? What would you do? Absolutely. So uh, a big thing is, of course, getting the bike ready. That's one of them. Um, I've always been, you know, big gym guy anyway. So it just was an adaptation. So instead of doing like I don't need a ton of muscle to go sit on a bike like that for a day and a half. I need to be less weight to get better mileage. But then you also have to do some research on, well, wait a minute, what's the right amount? Because if I have more mass, it takes more calories to burn it, but I also have more available energy source on hand that i can burn when i when i starve myself basically so you're trying to figure this out you got to be more uh flexible you know for those of us that get older and your hamstrings start locking up and your knees lock up and all that you know you do what you can on the like the footrest to adjust them to be as low as you can but 
not have your heel on the exhaust pipe and burn through your boot. <laughs> that's um, bad, right? Yeah, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, your back, your neck, because you're sitting, you know, with your neck up for that long yeah. in that position. And, uh, you know, you're trying to stretch and stuff. So all of that kind of stuff, obviously losing whatever fat I could, you know, just all about leaning out, losing some weight, getting uh, more stamina than brute force strength, right? Because yeah. you don't need that for sitting there. So, yeah, I definitely did some training that way. Mentally, it's it's a little bit of a it, – it's not something the normal person has to do, right? Like you basically have to establish the fact that it's – better to die out there than to not be fast enough so you you realize that risk is perfectly acceptable and you're not going to do what's safe you're going to do whatever you can at the whatever is going to result in success right so if i know i'm going too fast there's no such thing really as too fast because when you've gone too fast you've crashed and therefore you're not moving anymore so there's no such thing as excessive speed in my mind (laughs) but when you're going through all this you just have to remember that like whatever it takes to get it done is is what you do right and so it doesn't matter if you're you know no time to be a pussy you can't be tired you can't be oh, i'm hungry uh, i gotta go to the bathroom whatever none of that shit flies you just have to hammer it and you just go and when you start getting into the dual mindset after 28 hours and you can't tell if you're in a dream or reality you got to talk yourself down from the edge and say okay just keep reading the signs, 10 East. That's all you got to do. Just stay on 10 East. I know you're confused. I know you don't know if you're in a dream or reality, but you're not really in a video game like wow. you thought. Just just keep going, you know? I mean, it takes, some, it takes some mental prep to say the least, but you have to almost brainwash yourself into it doesn't matter. Like, I don't matter. All that matters is getting this done. And it's a little silly maybe, but you have to really be in that mindset because most people would never go that far, right? Like most people have more sense than to say, yeah, I'm going to put on a condom catheter and I'm just going to piss out my leg while I'm getting gas. That, that makes sense. That's, <laughs> that's not normal. Yeah. Oh, come on. I hear that all the time, right? It's efficient. <laughs> Damn. Now, aside from the time element, okay, now you, you've got that the time thing, okay? I mean, there. what other challenges? I mean, I mean, a lot of you stay awake is one of them, but there, what yeah. other things did you have to face on that? The there wasn't any like uh, close call wrecks or anything like that. I mean, it was the general discomfort of being stuck in this position for for that long, yeah. of course. Um, but you know, there was one challenge. I guess was in West Texas where I I ended up sort of stuck between a couple towns gas stations, and I was like, "Oh, you are fucking kidding me! I'm this close, and I'm going to get stranded between these two. And so what I ended up doing is the spare gas tank had a hose that kind of like went under my leg to the primary tank, right? Right, yeah. Well, I was talking to my wolf den, the guy that was answering the phone for me, trying to do some math on my Excel sheet and advise on these gas stops. And I said, dude, I, like, I'm going to be fucked. I'm going to get stuck between these two little shit dick towns here and be fucked on the side of the road and I'm going to this is all blown for nothing and he's like well you know and he's he's doing the math and he's like yeah the math says you're going to be screwed right because you've got the range thing on your dash saying how much miles sure yeah yeah and so i've just been blowing by all this traffic at 100 plus well now i got like 
back it down to 55 because I'm trying to conserve my fuel. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I got an idea. So I stood up on the peg and I basically had this hose, right? And so I'm like trying to do this on wet pegs because it's raining and trying to hold that hose up to jiggle the fuel that's in the slack back into the front tank. And it was just enough that I fucking crawled in on fumes, fueled up and out of there. Oh my so God. That was close. Um, did that and then going through like the south the like houston was the first place i really got traffic this is a sunday afternoon yeah and, you know i was fine i blew through the west half of the country but goddamn houston i was like feet on the ground stopped on I-10 oh no really yeah it was bad and i'm like man i thought sure on a sunday afternoon at least i could kind of glide not terrible through here and uh so i finally got through there and then all through like Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, all those, the radar detector was just blasting constantly. No kidding. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. You know, and you, you got to really think about the risk because if you get arrested, like minimum, you're talking a half hour of inconvenience. Maximum, you're going to jail, right? Yeah. Like either way, this doesn't help our mission. Right. Of course. So, <laughs> so that was a little bit bad. And then really in, um, in Florida, coming across through the western part of it where i hit that like 27 eight hours is where i started getting like i said that like the first time i noticed it uh, you know i'm cruising along and it does look like a video game to be fair you've got this thermal vision screen on your deal here you got a radar detector you got gopros and it's dark out and i'm seeing this you remember stomper toys as a kid with the big old rubber tires right yeah so there's like <laughs> one of those next to me and i remember thinking like we're kind of racing you know at spirited pace and I remember thinking like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be on our team this time, next time, or if he's going to be over on the other team. And in my mind, I'm picturing like this track through the trees that we're driving through like it's a video game. And and I suddenly realized, dumbass, you're not in a dream. You're not in a video game. Like it, But it's that feeling like you're in a dream and you got this dual reality happening. Yeah, oh, my God. And it's like, you know, that's where you – but it's like you can't panic. What you're doing works. Just – keep driving like don't screw up at a gas stop and turn around and go the wrong way or something so um well let me i i gotta i gotta stop you here for a second so did you rest at all on this no no this was this was get on the bike and ride until you're done yeah yeah absolutely did you well so yeah. you stop you told us you stopped for gas once in texas already how many times uh, did you stop for gas um was it like Five or six times, I think I was able to get about 350 miles out of a tank, out of a fill. Right. And so it was, I want to say six times maybe total, but um, but there's only once where I actually went in, and that was East Texas, where I thought I was out of fluids. So I went in to buy more fluids and realized that was right. stupid, and I wasted time going in. But every other time was just stop at the pump, and in it. You know, a lot of people said something about, like, losing time. And I said, yeah, it's like 25, 30 minutes you lose per gas stop. And everybody's, their first response is, well, that's stupid. I can fill my tank in two minutes, you know. And I'm like, look, asshole, come off the interstate after doing 100 plus and have to slow down for an exit. And then assume even if the gas station is right off interstate, which a lot of times you go to through the town, right? Yep. Get to the nearest one. and, um, And then by the time you fill both tanks... And then little shit, like 
you know, one time the phone cable was bent or broke, and one time the phone fell out of the, the case, and one time the the gas tank, actually, the spare one was coming loose, and I had to keep jacking with that. And so this isn't even doing things like checking oil, checking tire pressure. This is just, hey, I trust the bike, and it didn't burn a drop of oil the whole time. I mean, it ran like a champ. Wow. But, um, yeah, as far as rest goes, no, you don't dare. You just, you have to keep plowing forward with it. Oh, man. So, like, that fatigue at that, like you said, the 28-hour mark. Yeah. That's where your brain starts fading. And when you, when I got to the beach in Jacksonville, like, so, you know, I lived in Jacksonville. That's where I had my bike shop, so I'm very familiar with these roads. I've been pulled over on these same roads before in Jacksonville. And so uh, I was coming around to Butler, and Butler is like a straight shot to the beach. And so... In my past, I may or may not have broken a limit or two burning across that bridge, you know, <laughs> racing buddies and stuff like that. But this time, my radar went off right as I pulled onto Butler. And I was like, and it's like 4.30 in the morning, right, on a Monday. And I'm like, just wanting to hammer it and hear, boop, boop, and I see a car pull in that had the Crown Vic lights. Yeah. You know, the familiar we all know. Yeah. Like, like I don't dare risk it. Like how bad would it be to get pulled over like literally 10 minutes from the end? Right where right? you are, right. Yeah, so I had to just crawl all the way out to the beach and he finally turned off at A1M. But when I got into the beach, you know, I saw the sand. I went into the sand and I, I didn't realize this until I was in the sand that I totally forgot to even hit the brake or the clutch. Like I literally just <laughs> nose dove into the sand with the bike and then i had to sit there drained fighting the thing out of the sand right like an idiot and i'm like ah oh. but uh yeah you're just you're drained but i got back to my buddy's place who stayed you know just a while ways from there he lives so i pulled the bike up went inside to the spare room crashed this was at 5 30 a.m by 7 30 i was awake again and wow. i mean because your body's just you know i had how much red bull from you know the ride <laughs> he stayed awake for a month right <laughs> damn near and actually that afternoon i crashed wow hard. but uh you know i rode back out to the beach and kind of started doing the math and trying to think like well how long did it take me and everything but kind of surreal you know it's like it's it's so anticlimactic because you're not coming into a bunch of strippers and cheerleader uniforms with their <laughs> no, no fanfare right. whatsoever yeah, exactly. None whatsoever. No champagne or no. anything. It's how does that? You, how do you get that documented, though? I mean, how how is that? You know, you you start with your with your back wheel in the sand, and then you finish with your front wheel in the sand. I mean, yep. How does that? How do you document all that? So the way I did it is, um, I think Waze at the time only allowed a thousand mile ride. You couldn't program Waze because I tried and it, it was limited to a thousand miles. Okay. So you couldn't just set one trip thing and go the whole way. Plus, my eSIM died in Louisiana, and so I had no more. I, I still had, I had radar detection, and I had uh, music, and I thought, that's all I need. I'm on I-10. Just don't fuck up and turn around going west. <laughs> right? And I know how to get through Jacksonville. But um, I had, uh, you heard Iron Butt, I'm sure. Right? Iron yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they won't. They won't say, yes, he did it in 33 hours and 10 minutes, but they certify that you did it in less than the 50 hours for the 50cc thing. Okay. So what I did is I, I got gas right before I left Dog Beach, and then um, I had the GoPro on 
as far as leaving the beach okay. uh, to record the dash time. So I had a I had a GoPro on the chest and one on the dash, and I had two. And the reason for that, not just to get some different angles, but I thought if I get pulled over and that dash cam has proof that I was maybe going 57 or 8 instead of 55, then um, I need to be able to pull that chip out and snap it. And this way, my chest cam will still give me footage to go do a movie later if I want. Right. And so then you take all these. It's just like Iron Butt, though. I took all the uh, gas receipts for the whole way. As soon as I got to the sand in Jacksonville, I went to the gas station up the street, got my receipt there. So Iron Butt certified as, yes, he did it in less than 50. We've got the receipts here and everything. Right. And then, you know, it's just the GoPro footage, basically. And then I think I had to have, like, guys at each end signed an affidavit or something like oh, okay. that. So it's, it's whatever Iron Butt is the... You know, it's not as fancy as what guys nowadays do with their, you know, they'll, they'll have a device that just gives, hey, this is the exact route and all the. Right. The, the tracking yeah, the trackers yeah. and all that. Wow. Yeah, it's a little different. Damn. No, no, let me getting back to your stops. Did you go in and use the bathroom each time you stopped? Or did oh, no, you just, just that one time? Just that no, once. Just, yeah, just that once. So wow, I, dude. It was, <laughs> it was 700 miles before I had to piss. <laughs> and so at that gas stop. So this is so I've done two two fills right like I, I left san diego stopped and got gas once then i hopped back on the next time i pulled over that would have been the 700 miles i stopped and i was like well let's see if this works so i just started letting it go but the thing is like <laughs> those of us with male anatomy know you have to you have to aim the tube to go up not down in case you, you get really happy to be on the road so we all learned this from college, right? Like, don't don't tuck into the shorts in college yeah. with the hot chicks. So, <laughs> I had to loop it up and down through the diaper and everything, right? And then I had it go down the leg and then taped it over the boot toe to aim to the outside. But I taped it on the exhaust side, and I was like, oh, fuck, if I piss out there, it's going to smell like burnt piss on my exhaust, right? So, I wait till I'm at the gas station. I'm like, all right, let it go. Well, all of a sudden, all you feel is a bunch of warmth on your abdomen, right? Oh, Jesus. No. And I'm like, oh, this motherfucker broke on me already. You're shitting me. So now I'm just pissing my leathers. Fortunately, it was going where it needed to. It just took a while to get up the loop and down and around. So once I saw the, the antifreeze <laughs> basically coming out of my tube at the bottom, I'm like, all right, we're good. It works. No leaks. I'm good. Now you so, did. You did not poop yourself. Please tell me you didn't. I poop. did not. Okay. I did not. Thank goodness. Oh, tell you what, that was one of the most. That was like, as far as fear, wasn't afraid of fear. Wasn't afraid of a crash. Was afraid of shit myself. Oh my god. <laughs> well, yeah, I know you were focused. I, I totally get I you was. were focused. Was there anything notable that you saw or experienced on that ride? <laughs> no <laughs> I, don't, I mean you're you're just like there's cool stuff you know that i've seen driving you know like hey there's you know this cool bridge that i really like the architecture going under yeah uh, you know i always love going through louisiana and seeing like the i almost said glades it's not florida it's louisiana but seeing the swamps and the trees and sure. all that stuff and uh you know coming through the, the tunnel out of alabama and all that so there's always you know and even going through san antonio that i mean it's I literally drove right through San Antonio on I-10, and my house is 
two stoplights from I-10. Oh, like, no way. I, I could have walked from where I went by on I-10 to the uh, to the house. And and that's where a lot of people, I think, would probably say, fuck it, I'm done, right? Like, <laughs> I've gone halfway. Yeah. My house is literally right there. Yeah. All I got to do is pull over, say the bike broke or whatever, <laughs> call it a day. So you got to really like, nope. I had, I had a poop. Right? <laughs> yeah, I had a poop. I pulled over to do that there, right? <laughs> Oh my yeah, because, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I can imagine that, you know, at the speed you're going, you know, the dash line is now a solid line, you know, and, yeah. um, and that's where the fun happens. That's where the magic happens. Yeah, that's magic. It's magic. Yeah. If you want to call it that. And now, so you did, you know, you did the ride in 33 hours and 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yep. And it was. Like a little over 2,200 miles, you said, right? 2,400. 2,400. Yep. All right. Now, since you did it, now you did this when? What year? Uh, I did that in April of 2014. 2014. Yep. In April of all months. You you had that was rain. Intentional. You had, it was intentional. Yep. I did have rain, but if you think about it this way, you're going from California to Florida, right? Yeah. So that's that's quite a few different climates. It's not as bad as if you were going Washington to Key West where you got mountains and stuff. Oh, but yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, winter's going to be too cold somewhere. Sure. Summer's going to be too hot somewhere. Right. So that leaves spring and fall, but in fall you have two bad things. You have the deer rut and you have hurricanes in the south. There is that. So April, yeah. <laughs> I, I killed three deer in three years with vehicles, so I've got more than my buddy. Did yeah, you, you seem to have some sort of a history with that kind of a thing. Yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> Involuntary, yeah, impromptu hunting. Yep, <laughs> vehicular hunting. Is that where we're calling it? Yeah. But so so the, uh, so you did. As far as it goes for the weather, did you have rain uh, the whole time, yeah, or no, not the whole time? It was only in some some in western Texas. I had a little bit of rain, and it wasn't. It wasn't the downpour that we've all got caught in. I mean, it was just misting. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't as... So the thing is, like, um, I don't know about where you're at, but for me, one thing I've noticed is, you know, I've lived in Iowa, and I've been a lot in Colorado in the rain, and Florida, obviously, it rains every damn day there. Yeah. And in Florida, I would think nothing... You know, there's one day I was racing some Lexus up 95 from Daytona to Jack's. We're doing a buck 20 in an absolute downpour. And the next day I noticed that I had a flat tire and there were threads showing on it. That was on the April. <laughs> and, uh, you know, didn't even think twice about it. Didn't, didn't phase me. But down here in Texas, I don't know if it's because they don't get rain very often or someone else said there's some, like, clayish or something, dust that maybe gets on the road. And then when it gets wet, it turns to, like, slimy clay, something. But that chopper with a 300 rear tire, if it's starts to rain or think about raining that back tire just downshift and it's bucking you know a few inches out to the side every time on me. no kidding wow yeah it's it's really different so i get real nervous in on wet roads in texas if i'm in a straight line i'm not as worried but man if you're on curves or anything it's it's almost like black ice it's no not kidding. quite that bad but it's not good so did that misty <laughs> stuff slow you down at all no, the only reason I was slower in the mist is because that's where I was stuck between those two towns trying to oh, get to gas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so right. that's why I was going slow in the rain. It wasn't for uh, safety reasons. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, the, well, now you had the infrared thing, right? The thermal, yeah. The thermal. The thermal doesn't like rain either. This yeah. was, it was already daylight, so you could at least 
see visibly, you know, instead. But the thermal, yeah, when you start getting that that level or that layer of water on the camera, it it struggles to really pick up. They're, they're an amazing device. I mean, I can be in New Mexico driving to Colorado and that thermal will show the mountains in the distance. Like you can see the moon on a thermal. So anytime someone says, well, thermal is only good for, you know, a mile up the road, or is it really that much better than headlights? I'm like, if I can see the fucking moon, I think it's got enough range. Wow. <laughs> damn. Like, did you see a lot of wildlife with the thermal? I, I probably saw more shit that wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After 28 hours, probably not. Yeah. Um, you definitely <laughs> do pick up a few. You see less on... I, more of what I do is like these back roads, the hill country yeah. here that we have and stuff. And even when I go to Colorado, it's most of that is kind of backwood roads mm -hmm. um, on that trip, too. So when you're on interstate, you don't see as many, you know, deer well, and good. whatever else. Depends on where you're at in the season, obviously. Right. But but it's not as bad as being out in the hill country. Wow. Uh, did you have a favorite moment during this ride? Favorite moment? I don't, that's a tough one because there's the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question is leaving San Diego because there's that excitement. Yeah, yeah. Of what you're about to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and it's it's like I can't turn back. Like I've I've shipped my clothes back home. I've got like I don't have a hotel. I have nothing but what I am right here. Right. This is it. This is me, yeah. and this is all I got is me and my machine. And so there's no turning back. I'm, I'm done. And I got to the first um, four-lane road, I guess, Sun Coast or something, maybe right from Dog Beach up there. So went a few blocks up the beach, right? And then you got the main, whatever this four-lane road is. And it was, you know, jammed bumper to bumper, typical, right? <laughs> I was like, fuck, this isn't going to help. And then I was like, you know what? They got lane sharing out here. Yeah. And I've never done lane sharing before, lane splitting, whatever you want to call it. And All I'm right. like... No time to learn like the present. So I put her on the middle line and I was like, here we go. Trying to like not to take someone's mirror off and stuff. And oh this started uh, going up. Ooh, no. Yeah, exactly. Imagine on like a big cruiser or something. No, right? thank but, you. I'll pass. You know, even the cops do them on cruisers and stuff out there. It's like, this is common. And so I got, and I ended up on the, on the rear tire of a bike in front of me. And I was kind of like, well, <laughs> You know, I, you're you're local. Like, shouldn't you be doing this? And he kind of turned around. And I'm like, fucking go, dude. And so he started off, and I just kept on his tail, you know. And we got through. And then once I hit eight, it would have been Interstate Eight, and just took off from there. Oh my god! <laughs> Damn, man. No, no. I, you know, if they legalize lane splitting all over the country, I still wouldn't do it. It's it takes an adjustment. Like I. I I don't know that I'd want to do that every day because I just I don't trust other drivers right, exactly. to do it. Right. But I will say, like in Texas, what one of the state patrol guys told me is it's not that it's illegal. Like there's no law in the Texas book that says, um, you know, you can't do lane sharing down here. It's nothing like that. It's just that if you do it and a cop doesn't like it, he can give you an illegal or reckless driving, whatever, you know, and yeah, that's right. the problem is they have the flexibility to just jack you if they don't like sure. what they see. Now, the only time I've actually done it around here is if I happen to be in shitty traffic, bikes run hot. Right? Yeah. It's Texas and it's hot. Yeah. Um, I will once in a while, like if if I'm like, look, I, I'm starting to worry about the bike getting hot, then I'll split the lane and go. But yeah. I usually prefer there to stop and I just 
you know, I'll, I'll catch the middle fingers in the rear view and <laughs> get on my way. Aside from nearly pooping yourself or peeing yourself, um, were there any least favorite moments? <laughs> the one, you know, all of it was kind of, it hurt, right? Yeah. But it was exciting. I mean, without a doubt, I, and then, you know, I, at the time even, it's like, if, if I make it through this, like, this will be the coolest thing I will ever do in my life. Right. Right. Like I'm going to become the best in the world at what I love to do. Drive fast on two wheels. Okay. And, and I did it. And so at the end, the, the, I guess if you call it least favorite, my thumb was absolutely worthless. Really? I had to eat ham fisted. Like, you know, I had to eat basically like, like this for (laughs) two weeks. Like a Neanderthal, right? (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was bad enough that I thought I might've had nerve damage or something in it because it was so bad that two weeks later, it still wasn't okay. functional really. It was just really discomfort because of cramping, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like I had a throttle lock, but you don't go around circuit of the Americas with crews on 55. You have to continually modulate and, of course, and yeah. do what you're doing. Yeah. And so, you know, even when you're on long straights, yeah, you might, you might be holding it down and doing super fast speeds but if you come up on a car or semi, you want to slow down so you're not, you know, blasting them off the road so bad they're going to call 911 on you. Right. Yeah. Or, or you have to be able to let off quickly if you see cherries or something, too, right? Sure. Or the radar goes off. You got to let off quick. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you have to just sit there gripping that. with, And that was before we upgraded this to an 18 system. So the old 10 system, the spring in the throttle was a little bit rough yet, too. Um so that didn't help it at all. <laughs> amazing how little details can make it painful. And then pulling the condom catheter off was not <laughs> pleasant. It's yeah, uh, no, <laughs> and, you know, it's and it, it looks like a fucking raccoon's tail. Like as you're pulling this thing off, you look like Stretch Armstrong jerking off. And then once it's off, you've got these rings of hickeys on the thing that looks like a raccoon's tail. And I'm like. Man, that that didn't feel good either. Admit <laughs> that wasn't too hot either. But whatever, small price to pay. Yeah, I guess. Now, <laughs> since you did this, that your your yeah. record has been broken, and I believe you said twice already. Twice. Yep. And I, yeah, think, and I think the new number is like thirty-two hours and change, or something like no, that. No, it was more. So, the guy that broke it in eighteen did it in thirty hours, I think. Thirty hours. I think, or or just under, even perhaps, and then the guy that just broke it in last year, uh, last fall. In fact, he came back through I-10, and we stopped and had dinner up the street here because he went right. Like I said, I-10 goes right by my house. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, yeah, I'll meet you at the club up the street there, you know, and grab a bite. But I want to say he did it in around 27 or something. That's crazy, isn't it? Wow. Any it thoughts is, of reclaiming your title? You know, it's it's hard to imagine. Like, that's a big difference, right? Yeah, and, dude. The, you know, and I don't know. Like, to me, there's I did what I felt was the, the hardest I could push it. But I was constantly had to worry about, am I going to get stopped and pulled over? Because if you do that, like, you're pretty much screwed, yeah. right? Now there's a chance you could get pulled over and they could let you off and it's only a half hour of a of a hit and you can make that up because you've been doing that faster speed the whole time, right? Sure. So there's some 
there's some balance that you have to find of how much do I push it? But then whatever you commit to, you got to do that the whole way because then if you do get stopped, you have to just hope like hell they let you off with a ticket and not jail. And, um, you know, and I was carrying a 45 with me too, which doesn't always make people with badges happy necessarily, no. depending on where you are. But <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I, I mean, because between your 33 hours and the 27, I mean, it's a six-hour difference. That's huge, right? That's a huge difference, which which equates huge. to a lot more speed. It, and, uh, yeah, clearly, yep. And, you know, and there and was stopping a lot us of people. And peeing and <laughs> well, pooping and yourself a lot more. <laughs> yeah, there's all that. I a mean, lot I, more Red I Bull. A lot more, yeah. Well, you could do that, too. And it's, you know, when I talked to the guy that did it this last time, and, it, you know, talking to him and then, like, Ed Bolian, um, you know, I did an interview with uh, Vin Wiki up there, Ed in Georgia, and, you know, he had the record, I think, after Alex Roy, actually, and um, Cannonball. And, like he was saying, he said there was, like, over COVID in those two years, there was, like, the only one I know of on the bike record was this guy that, you know, Andy that came through town but there was a guy that broke, and he was from Dallas, I think, that broke the Cannonball motorcycle from New York to L.A. Yeah. during that period. There's and nobody then, on the road. Exactly. There was and, nobody on the road. So there was like six, I think six different times the Cannonball record, New York to L.A. and cars. I think six times it was beat during those two years. That is crazy. Like, wow. Yeah, people took advantage of it. And you'll never have that situation again. Like the ones that did it, that's why some of these records, like Andy's, you know, that did it last year and some of the, whoever's got the car record now on that, you may never see those records broke because you'll never have that low of traffic again. Exactly. Right. You won't, it just won't happen. You know? Now you yeah. made a movie of this whole thing. I did. Yep. I, uh, so I, I'd been writing a book first, uh, you know, kind of documenting all the prep work and everything I did and, and then when I broke the record, um, I waited one year for statute of limitations just to be on the safe side for, uh, you know, because you'd feel pretty stupid to go out and publicize that you just broke a bunch of laws and then get arrested for it. So <laughs> yeah. decided to err on the side of caution with that. So yeah. I waited a year to release the book. And in that period, I, didn't, I you know, I was focused on the book first. And then after that, I was kind of going through all the footage and stuff. And I was like, you know. I, I can, I kind of wanted to make something, you know, some, cause again, it's the coolest fucking thing I'm ever going to do in life. Why not celebrate it every which way you can? Sure. Yeah. So I had the footage of the prep and of the, of the event and everything. And I was looking at it and I was watching Alex Roy's movie and I was like, you know what Alex's movie doesn't have is a soundtrack. Well, I can, I can kind of play guitar and I sing like shit, but I can try <laughs> and I can write words. So, so I set up like this, actual room in here that you see yeah that's this is my recording studio that i put in the house and i was like okay i'm gonna make a recording studio and i wrote and recorded eight songs for a soundtrack um which was actually really fun too you know i'd never done that before but right. like writing the words is easy but musically I have to just do it by brute force. But at the end of the day, I'm like, <laughs> even the solos aren't too bad and the arrangements I'm happy with and they, they fit the movie because I already kind of knew the different moods and types of songs sure. I wanted. And I, I mean, 
my singing sounds like two cats fucking. It's bad. And I know that. <laughs> I'm well aware of it. Right. But I didn't care because it's still me. You know, yeah, yeah, mine. exactly. It's your thing. It's your thing. It's mine. Right. Yeah. It's mine. And I, I did have a buddy do bass and drums because I just couldn't justify learning two more instruments. Yeah. Concerned. It took me 20 years to play guitar. So, uh, but I did the soundtrack and then I started stitching the movie together. And it ended up really, to me, it's not Hollywood production. And, you know, you see some people comment like, this looks like a cringy home movie. And it's like, look, fucker, it's supposed to be a home movie because it's real. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's what people now, they expect this, like, you know, Hollywood production on everything. And I thought, well, I couldn't do that because it would have sacrificed what I was trying to do in the mission at right. hand. And you couldn't so, afford to have a crew follow you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they couldn't keep up if they were, right? Unless they were in a helicopter. <laughs> exactly. And so... So it was kind of a silly deal, but it really like to me, the story came out really well. I'm very happy with how it came out. And, um, you know, like I said, it was a fun experience. You have to learn about colorization and all these other things. And and uh, so it come to a full length documentary and then I submitted to a bunch of film festivals. So I've got, you know, a couple of I think there's like 12 awards and recognitions. And oh, that's awesome. And stuff. That's great. Yeah. So I'm happy. And I, you know, it's on Amazon and it's on I put it on YouTube now, too. So people can watch it on YouTube and um because, you know, art's worthless if you don't share it. It's exactly. Always, yeah. You're always like kind of like, yeah, I mean, I'd love for this movie to make me millions and I can retire and just go fuck around on bikes all day. But <laughs> yeah, in reality, you know, no. Point, it's like, well, that didn't work out. So I might as well let people enjoy it. Now, yeah. you know? oh, well, I'm not prying into your bank account, but but did you get see returns from any, from the book and from the movie? It's it's minimal. It will never, ever cover what you did. Close. No, no, not even close. Like if you, <laughs> of course, yeah. Not. Oh, yeah, it's you know, I, I, I view my hobbies as tax deductible fun. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's you know, it's yeah. it's what we call a labor of love, right? It, it really is. That's yeah, it. I mean, yeah. I I enjoyed it so much, and yeah. you know, I finally got to the point where like my YouTube ads, I think, are paying for at least the adobe software and i'm like that's step one <laughs> that's you know? enough yeah that's good yeah, what exactly. important most importantly what was your friends and family's reaction to you saying i'm gonna go break this record and then even that you're doing it so the first one i remember really at making an impact is i had a couple of buddies in new orleans and the year that uh, my buddy and i wrote he's got a night train or had a night train and i rode the yeah. chopper and we rode from san antonio to daytona beach for biketoberfest right and so we spent a night in new orleans with our, our my buddies you know and so the buddies are out and we're all out and i was like Here, you know here's what i'm here's what i think i'm gonna do and the one guy you know we've been friends for years and stuff and and he's 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 an interesting guy he's more sensible than me which i know that doesn't sound like that's not a bold statement in any shape or form <laughs> but he's he's sitting there and he you know, and we're drinking, obviously, but he, he kind of gets this confused look on his face. He goes, no, like, I, I that, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I said, why? And he goes, you know, that's dangerous as hell. He said, why, why would you? And he just like mind blown, like, why? <laughs> I've known you for years. I know you don't make good choices, but why would you do that? Right. And I said, well, I didn't ask your, your opinion or permission. This is just what I'm going to do. And then like the week before the ride, he emailed me and you know, it was very sincere and all that, but he said, dude, this is my last ditch effort. This is what I wish <laughs> I would have said to you before you married that awful fucking bitch you did. But this is my last ditch effort. I, I, I really think you should stop doing this because he said, if you do this, 
then all you're going to do is find the next it's not it's not for any good purpose like you're saying it's for this or i want to do the book or whatever it's purely feeding an addiction and all you're going to do next time is find something stupider to do and it's just going to be it's got a cascade and go bigger and bigger yeah Yeah, i get it yeah yeah, dude that's how addictions work and i said at this point if i were to stop right now i would regret it the rest of my life exactly you know right i would never be at peace with it you know and i said i have to do it because i've committed to it and i said what if at the end of this i do it and then I'm the best in the world at something. How many people get to say that in their life, especially at what they love? Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, so he was like, whatever, I fucking give up, you know? And then I had my girlfriend then, Sunshine, she and I were at the UPS store because a buddy had to sign like a, a notary for my will or something because I updated the will before it, right? Oh, of Which, course, yeah. And she'd been, she'd been very, you know, always encouraging and hey that's his thing you know let him do what he wants type thing right um but when this buddy of mine showed up to do this he said uh he goes you know those of there's some of us at work that are pretty worried about you about you doing this and i was like dick why did you say that in front of her yeah Yeah, she's gonna get worried you know and (laughs) and uh i said he goes i tell you you know he said i know there's no talking you out of it i said no and then me and him and his uncle went, we had our bikes out for a ride one day and uh, we went to the bar and as we were leaving, he goes, well, he goes, I guess I'd tell you to be careful, but I know better. And that's a waste of the breath. And I said, <laughs> I go, dead jailer legend is how this ends, man. <laughs> wow. If that's your only three options, man. Oh, man. Yeah, Holy exactly. crap. Quitting isn't an option. He just <laughs> shakes his head. He's like, fucking only you. Why do I bother? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. How can people learn more about you, the movie, the book, all that? Uh, easiest. Well, so the my website is ychrome.com, Y-C-H-R-O-M-E.com. Uh, that was the name of my motorcycle shop when I had it. Ychrome Customs was the name of my uh, bike shop in Florida. Um, the, you know, the YouTube and it's got all the links to the socials and whatever, but like the YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that is no limits, no regrets. And there might be like a 3310 in there or something like that. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, any of those things, the Facebook store, the Instagram store, my site, they all have the different books, movies and stuff. And if, if you just go to YouTube and say no limits, no regrets movie, you'll find the movie right there. It's also on Amazon. If you hate commercials, you can watch it on Amazon instead, too. Awesome. Um, what's next? Well, I just had another open heart surgery last year. <laughs> and uh, I squeezed lucky 13 years out of that last valve. And so they told me now, they said, you're, you know, I said, look, don't bullshit me. Do I go buy a Ferrari that I'll never pay off? Or what do I do here? Like, I don't really want to work till the day I die. And yeah. They said, look, you know, and they don't like telling you the stuff. She said, look, it's, uh, if I were you, go buy the Ferrari if that's what you want. And I said, I can't afford it. She goes, no, I didn't figure you could. But, like, <laughs> if you can squeeze somebody to give you the money, <laughs> you know. But, oh, uh, man, that's that, that's not good. No, but, but I mean, it's just reality. You know, the heart is so damaged that they, they can't operate on is it. Is that a genetic so, thing? Was, was that the... Well, it was... So it started as a heart murmur. I don't know if you're familiar with what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a leaky valve, right? Yeah. So I had that like in junior high, I guess. And then my grandfather on mom's side, he 
he died at like 93 with the exact same condition. Right. It was never a problem. And he worked a farm his whole life, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't always make the best choices. And so when I was 29, I was on a bender for 10 days in and out of several states and cities. Uh, the last of that was actually helping uh, clean the glasses behind the bar at the bar up the street before the waitress had to get the bouncer over to kick me out because they didn't really want my help at the time. Um, and that ended up with an infection in the heart that oh, really wow. made a mess of stuff, pericarditis. Yeah. So that was kind of the first blow to it. And then when I, after getting divorced and having the bike shop and then eventually getting in some legal trouble and having to go back to a day job and still having the bike shop, what I was doing is waking up at four, go to my day job, quit there at five, uh, eat one of the Totino's pizza before going to the bike shop because they were like five for four bucks or whatever at the time. And uh, <laughs> so healthy diet and then <laughs> go to the bike shop and work on bikes till, you know, nine or whatever and then go home and clean up and go to the bars with my buddies. A lot of Red Bull vodkas, a lot of whiskey, yeah. a lot of Jaeger bombs, whatever. And it was that was almost an every day deal. So I averaged two to three hours of sleep for probably two to three years. That'll kill you. And then, yeah. And then I was dating a chick that was a doctor and uh, she could hear the heart through my chest without, she goes, without a stethoscope, I can tell you your heart is fucked. And so after we went our separate ways, I did go to a cardiologist and she's like, yeah, not, not as eloquently as what your girl said, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's bad. So yeah. I had that surgery. Yeah. And that was that was an eye opener, right? You know, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Because, but it, I kind of look at it as it's one of the best things that could have happened to me because you you get a wisdom when you have to stare death in the face. You know, you you sit there and my little sister was like crying and shaking as she dropped me off for surgery, and I was just sitting there like this. She's like, "Well, how can you be this calm? Like, you could literally be dead in an hour. You have like this could be it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but like." That's awesome because I got advance notice. I got to say goodbye to people. Um, you know, I've had a great life. Look at all the crazy shit I got to do. And if all I do is take a nap and don't wake up, I ain't going to fucking know. So what's to worry about? Wow. Most people have a really hard time getting in that mindset. And mm -hmm. I guess that's just a pragmatic engineer in me or whatever. So, you know, going through that, so that's why now, you know, like this last surgery, I had, it was COVID, so I couldn't have anybody help me even if I wanted. Right. So I, I was released at day 10 and I was not around a human for like four months. I did everything by myself mm -hmm. after full open heart. And then, um, but you know, when she's like, look, make a five-year plan. If you're still alive in five years, then maybe make another five-year plan. And that's about the most you're going to see. And I'm like, cool, I can work with that. So, yeah. uh, so now you're on a nice, healthy diet and a great exercise regimen. And yeah, yeah, right. I haven't drank, dated, or even had caffeine in over a year at this well, point. Okay, I've got, there you go. I'm like a shaved head in an orange robe away from being a Shaolin <laughs> monk, man. <laughs> well, that probably wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I never did so good with moderation in my past. But, uh, you know, it's you got to you always go through something like that. You have to really find a new normal. Yeah. And so the big thing for me is like, you know, super healthy living right now, which I know sounds like a drag. But no, you know, it's, not. Is, it's not. It's not. You got to do your thing. It's different. It yeah. is different. Every, every decision you make, you realize that it's either reducing the time or the quality of the time you have left. Yeah. 
And so, you know, maybe someday I'll drink again, but like right now I'm just enjoying feeling better. And, you know, I get up at three and I go swim at four and then I lift again later in the day. And yeah, see, you know, exercise is the best thing for you. Uh, I always tell my mother this and I've been telling her, and I tell basically anybody, mm-hmm. keep moving. Absolutely. You got to keep moving. It, no you know, and my mom is 84 and she keeps moving. You know, because as soon as you then sit your why. ass down yeah, and stay there, you know, yep. you, you can't live a sedentary life. You just can't. You, you, you know? can't. I agree. You got to keep doing stuff. And that's like I learned that at about 21 when I told you I had the hernia, you know, mm-hmm. um, I after that, I started a job that was a desk job and I couldn't even go to the gym because, you know, I still had Franken crotch here stapled up. And uh, so I'm trying to, like, get used to just sitting idle and yeah. my back my legs like i felt like i was falling apart after a couple months of that versus when i was active and going to the gym and working out and stuff yeah. but you're exactly right so i'm you know trying to figure out what kind of things i want to do next I, I do the texas mile event which is on a runway and they give you one mile to go as fast as you can from zero to whatever so i've done 193 on the bmw in one mile and, I, and I'm like so fucking close to 200, I can smell it, right? Like I'm at Snipper's Row for that 200 mile an hour. And, you know, so like at some point I keep wondering, there's only so much I can do. I've done like everything I can, you know, and I, at what point, and you don't want to give up, right? But at some point you have to realize like, there's no point in, in spending all this effort. I might as well just turn the bike back into a street bike and go out and raise hell on the country with it and have more fun you know? the other so, thing you could always do is maybe just slow down and enjoy the ride <laughs> life's a race man <laughs> right, right? Yep. dead jailer a legend right <laughs> dead jailer a legend that's how this ends holy crap any closing words for anyone psychotic enough to try to do a record like you Knock yourself out. I mean, it's something you'll never regret. Well, I should say never. Most, most of us <laughs> The catheter, that's about it. Right? Yeah. No, that's a that's minor detail. But no, it's doing something like that is just, it's fun. And it, there's just something very pure about it, especially in, in, not to sound like a dinosaur, but like in this very connected world where these things are up our ass the whole fucking day, you know, to be able to be out on the bike. And even those will become more electronic than we want, right? Yeah, you got I know. Your, nav or your bluetooth or whatever and shit but there's something so pure about just being out on the road on a bike tearing up the highways it's like you know i don't like flying but to be on the road even on a drive like uh, this coming thursday i'm gonna hop in one of the sports cars i've got a thermal vision in that i'm gonna see how fast i can make it to phoenix from here (laughs) okay oh man oh man axe dude it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast don't go anywhere i want to talk to you when we're done but thank you very much for being on the podcast and sharing your story about that record you're broke and not pooping yourself (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much man had a blast all right hold on yep The Motorcycle Man Podcast is supporting David's Dream and Belief Cancer Foundation. If you'd like to help those that are dealing with the hardships of cancer and see your money go to something that actually makes a difference, go to davidsdreamandbelief.org to donate. 
and the Gold Star Ride Foundation, helping families of fallen soldiers. If you'd like to be a part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. And Chasing the Cure, let's help long-haul Paul Peeland complete his mission to ride a million miles for MS. He was told a couple years ago that a cure for MS was a million miles away. So he decided to ride that million miles for that cure. You can help him by going to longhaulpaul.com and donate to his quest for the cure for MS. Thanks for joining me and Axe here in the V-Twin Cafe, where he told us about setting a coast-to-coast record on his bike. And you can learn more about Axe and what he's up to by going to www.ychrome.com. Links will be in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website at www.motorcyclemen.us. Don't forget to get on over to the Motorcycle Men YouTube channel and watch a few of the videos that we have there. Don't forget also to get on over to Ride With Ted videos. Get on over to Ride With Ted channel on YouTube, and there's a whole crap load of videos there. Some new ones are coming up, so check that out. All right, kids, for the rest of the Motorcycle Men team, thanks for listening, and remember, we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Ride safely, kids. <laughs>